Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's technical director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Rick Steelsmith. Rick is a former Team USA member, a collegiate national champion at Wichita State University. In 1987, Rick won the USBC Masters Tournament and returned to the lanes in 1998 to win the regular All-Events and Team All-Events Championship at the USBC Open. Rick Timberg, Coach Casey of Klempkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on today. I'm looking forward to, to the conversation. Excellent stuff. Well, Wichita State, want to talk about your role with the Shockers as, as you graduated from the school. What was it, back in 1987? Is that the year you graduated? It was, yes, So a few talk, years ago. Talk about how you're giving back to the school and how you're helping out the younger players today. Uh, today I'm involved on an associate coach level. That's probably one of the main things that I do. And, and what we do in that aspect is we're, uh, we get assigned with some of the bowlers that don't make the actual uh, traveling teams, and we get with them one-on-one and uh, work with them and help develop them. And uh, hopefully in that aspect, obviously, make a impact on the on their future with the program and, and, and help them get better. Uh, it's a big program. A lot of the, the bowlers that uh, have been through the program and still live here in town uh, go through that and, and donate their time and help, help the bowlers during the program now to get better. So that's what I, probably my main task that I do with them, and I love doing it, and I look forward to it every year. And uh, uh, fortunate, too, this year they uh, are going to have me involved on the assistant coach level with Mark Lewis for the women's team at the Collegiate Nationals coming up in a few weeks. Uh, I was fortunate to, to help Mark out last year with that, too, and that was just a blast. So uh, I will be helping out again at the Nationals with the women's team this year. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. So how hard is it for the kids to handle this? Because a lot of the kids that come to Wichita, you know, there's the best of their best on their high school team, maybe even sometimes, frankly, in the state. And then to be told, look, you're not going to be traveling with us, how, how are you able to help kids cope with that and handle that so that it doesn't discourage them from continuing on the team? Yeah, I think a lot of them understand that coming in. They realize uh, the history of the Wichita State program and the level of players that attend here. And a lot of them come in with a mindset, and, and if they don't, this, that's kind of where we try to help them out a little bit of, hey, this is all about trying to get better and better yourself as a bowler, better yourself as a person, and then just like any other sports program, really, I mean, when they're coming in first year, you've got to be a pretty special player to make a team, whether it be basketball or, or football or, or bowling is that way, too, especially here with Wichita State. You've come in as a freshman, you've got to be special to, to make the traveling teams. And uh, from that as- aspect on, then you kind of go in with an attitude of, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to see where I do stack up with the best players in the world, basically, that come to this program. And then uh, have an attitude of, hey, what can I do to improve? What can I do to get myself better so I can help out my team and, and be a better player next year and maybe make that traveling team if you didn't the season before? And uh, the nice thing with the program here, too, they with that associate coach program and all that, they they do as much as they can to help all the players that come in. Uh, they have a lot of guest speakers come in, high top level in the industry, uh, 
to come in and, and provide information and, and help for all of the players. So, uh, that's kind of, I think everybody's aware of that and they come in and, and, and in our role, it's obviously what can we do to help them understand that situation and really focus on how they can get better as a bowler. That's, that's cool that you brought that up, Rick, because I'm, I'm not sure if you remember or not, but you were actually uh, assigned by Coach Vatican to be my associate coach my first year there at Wichita. And I remember that you were very helpful in kind of understanding what it's like uh, to compete collegially, you know, for example, when I was uh, when I was bowling before I went there to Wichita, very rarely would we have a tournament where there would be five bowlers on a lane bowling all day long, you know, to experience that kind of uh, change of the lane condition, how dry they got, how much you have to be ready to move. That was really valuable information you shared with me personally. Now, kind of building on that too, what are you? What are your roles or plans here? You said this assistant coach for the women's team at nationals what are you doing to prepare for that yeah basically uh, my role there is to to assist mark and do whatever i can to to kind of make his job easier during that that tournament uh i'll probably be there a little bit for just an extra set of eyes uh observation on lanes lane play lane breakdown uh providing the input there but uh just as far as that goes, I mean, it's like any other tournament. You go in, you've kind of got a game plan. If you do know the conditions ahead of time, that you're really going in and and uh, let your ball be your guide once you start throwing shots, and and then pay attention to to how the lanes do transition and that type of thing. Uh, so looking forward to it. I did it last year with the teams and just had a blast. And and you know, from going through college bowling and being a part of this program too just that whole experience, that whole environment that, that is set up at the, at the team nationals, not only at the team nationals, but every college tournament is special. Uh, and it's just a, it's an environment that is just as about as exciting as there is in, in the sport of bowling. So I'm really, really looking forward to it again and, and had a blast last year. And, and, uh, and I'm sure this is going to be a, a fun one this year too. It's here in Wichita this year. So kind of a, kind of a home, Home, home court advantage, advantage yeah. so to speak, as far as the fans. Yeah, because again, we, uh, Wichita just really, really is a big bowling city and, and shows a lot of support. So that advantage, home court advantage, is going to be from the fans that we have back behind us and all the support that they give and, and the whole Wichita bowling community makes this a big event. So it's uh, it's going to be fun. Now, you mentioned a phrase there that, that really caught my ear, uh, let your ball be your guide. Now, is that, does that, I know how I've uh, kind of thought that phrase to mean, but I'm just not sure if you're on, if you have the same kind of meaning as that. Um, does that relate to as far as oil patterns and preconceived notions for how a lane condition or pattern should play? It does, yeah. And, and going back to, to my day, which was a long time ago, we didn't have like it is now. We didn't really have the information that's given now as far as the lane graphs and even the distances and the volumes and all that stuff. It wasn't really any information that we had going in. We went out and we started throwing balls and you looked at your ball reaction and you tried to figure out your choices in equipment or your choices in where you were going to play and how you were going to play the lane. Nowadays, you can. It's a little bit easier sometimes, I think, nowadays with all that information to go in with a little bit too much of a preconceived notion of, hey, that's this pattern. I'm going to play with this ball and play this part of the lane. And, and I, 
you can use that as a guide, but I think you don't want to get caught up in the fact that just because it's this parameter that this is where I'm going to go because you really don't know until you start throwing shots. And then we all know, too, the way the bowlers and the equipment break down the lanes now, two games in, the the pattern that was down on the lane to start with is totally different anyway. So it all is dependent on that environment, too, and, and that lane is going to change different with this set of bowlers than it does with this other set of bowlers. So you can't really rely on that information too much other than just maybe a guide to to steer you in the right direction and give you an idea of, of how you want to start from then on. It's, it becomes observation and, and uh, being open-minded a little bit. And the, the part of let your ball be your guide is, is that's what tells the story uh, is, is what that ball is doing on the lane. And then you, you have to be open enough to go from there. Well, it's funny you bring that up because the USBC Open is going on now about 30 days or thereabouts. And when the pattern was released, it was a lot of, oh, my gosh, there's probably not going to be score shot. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. A lot of preconceived notions you're referring to. But now as the tournament is almost a month old, we've had some score shot. Um, what are your thoughts on the pattern? And even for something on that big a stage, going in with a preconceived notion of, of where to play and how you, know, how you kind of think things are going to you know, happen here in El Paso. Yeah, I haven't looked real in-depth at that yet. I briefly looked at, at what the patterns are and, and got an idea of what they're doing, and definitely a lot flatter condition. And they're still shaped to them, obviously, but a lot flatter than maybe what they had last year and previous years. Uh, and, and I believe cut back the distance on the on the team event pattern, too, by about five feet. So uh, overall, I mean, no matter what, more than likely, the scoring pace is going to be lower than normal at the end of the at the end of the year when we look back and, and see what the scores were. Uh, as far as, again, looking at the graphs they provide, you can't take it too far, but you can get some generalities out of it. The distance and the volume are really the two main uh, parts of that that you look at, and, and with the distance and the volumes that they have, you can maybe get an idea going in before you head out of what that lane condition is going to offer when they're fresh. And it looks like with a little shorter, especially in the team event, a little shorter pattern than last year, flatter and more volume. Uh, from a ball reaction standpoint, standpoint, you would probably look at that and say there's a pretty good chance that the pattern itself in, in a ball reaction is going to be a little more of a of a skid flip, uh, quick transition at the break point as, a, as compared to last year. Uh, and again, you don't know that until you get there and throw balls, but you can kind of gather that as a generality that that's probably going to happen. And then that can steer you in the direction maybe of what equipment you may take. Uh, obviously, the advantage of having some of that information going in is you can, and I recommend this to anybody that's going, uh, you can get that pattern put down if you have that ability to get that done at your bowling center and get a little practice on it and again gain not specific information, but general information as to how to maybe put the bowling balls together that you're going to take. Now, there was just a team that did have uh, the first 1,200 team game in the tournament, but they did that game in game three, and that got them to plus 149. So they're in the lead now with 3149. That's a 1223 the third game. So it sure seems like there were a lot of really big games uh, to start early on last year as compared with maybe this year it takes a little bit of time to develop. So you're thinking maybe that transition, you said at the, the back end, just from what you've seen or heard or looked at the pattern a little bit, that 
it might be really, really strong, and there's probably not that much hold maybe in the middle of the lane, too, because it's that much flatter, huh? Yeah, I think so, definitely. And I think, too, the difference between last year and this year, maybe looking at it from that standpoint um, on how they start out on the fresh, I think Mike Jazz now kind of explained it to me last year in a really good way was the pattern was almost already broken down a little bit in the way it played last year. There wasn't like you didn't have to go in and, and have a game plan necessarily of everybody trying to break down a spot and, and get through that and get as much as you can without shooting yourself in the foot and then go after it the last game or so. Last year it was high scoring from the very beginning. And this year I think to the flatter the pattern and, and, and some of those things that go along with it, it's going to be a little bit of probably a little bit more on trying to get the pattern to develop in a way that you want to. So this hopefully you can do like that team did and shoot a 1200 game. There probably won't be too many 1200s the first game. You never know, but, uh, but more than likely it's going to be one of those situations. Like it's been in the past, some other years where kind of grind it out and, and, get what you can get the first game or so in hopes of setting up a, a transition that's going to turn into something that's a little higher scoring in the last game and a half or two. So, Rick, what advice do you have for younger players today? I mean, the, the way the PBA has kind of uh, transitioned and the way things are going in bowling, you know, you've been involved in the in the sport now for, you know, a number of years. What advice do you have for younger players uh, I still think, I mean, going back to what we talked about first with the college and the collegiate uh, route, I always recommend that. And and no matter how solid a player is at a young age, that college experience is huge, not only from an, an example of, of uh, what can I do to make myself better if I do have plans to be a professional, but just that whole experience of of the camaraderie that you get out of that, the education that goes along with it, obviously is the number one thing and getting a degree, but just the experience you get, it's, it's four years also of bowling on some sport level patterns. So you gain a lot of knowledge in that direction. And, and that would be the number one thing I think is, is have that collegiate route be uh, your number one goal as far as when you're looking ahead. Beyond that, as far as the young players kind of preparing themselves, it gets overlooked a little bit nowadays because striking kind of becomes such a big part of the game. But but you got to develop a strong a spare game, and and a lot of the players don't spend enough time on that. Uh, and in a strong spare game, I kind of look at that as it's got. I feel like it's got to be based on a pretty straight low rev system. That, that's a system that'll travel across different conditions. Uh, plastic ball, I think, is a good option. Just again, they looking at maybe an analogy to golf. A plastic ball to me is the right tool for spares for the most of, for the most part, uh, and just makes them easier to get that ball to go straight. Probably have them seek out sport patterns as much as possible. You know, whether it's their practices or their leagues or, or tournaments or whatever they have going on. I think the more bowling that young players can get, the more experience they can get on sport patterns. It doesn't make make it such a shock when they do go to a tournament or, or whatever that that does play on a pattern that's a little bit more difficult than a house pattern. Uh, and and if you do, I mean, if you could get on sport patterns, you're going to be a good. You're going to hit the house patterns too. 
uh, it doesn't necessarily work the other way. If, if all you bowl on is house patterns, then that does def- definitely does not make you uh, a good bowler on a sport pattern, but it does work the other way. So, And then practice with a purpose. I think that too many times uh, young bowlers go down, and, and, and it's good, obviously, to go down and just have fun, too, but uh, kind of have a plan, have a purpose when you go out and practice. Work on the ball speeds, work on your equipment, get familiar with it, play different angles, play all across the entire lane, and, and and get your game to where you can travel around and, and be able to do whatever's called for from, from a ball reaction standpoint. It's funny you bring up spares because there's a, one of the uh, Facebook pages of Bowling United, I believe it was, but they said if you were given the choice to throw a bowling ball, uh, you, had, you had the opportunity for $10,000 to either shoot the bucket or throw on a strike on a sport pattern, what what would you choose and why? And the conversations going back and forth were amazing of people saying, "Well, I can't make the bucket, so I'd rather shoot the you know shoot shoot a strike the strike you know have to strike for a, for that amount of money." And then the other people said, "Look, I can take my plastic ball, and there's more chance I'm going to make the bucket." Um, so, so what what would given you know? And Steve, you can chime in on this too. Do you guys have any thoughts on what you what you would rather do? You know, given let's say it's a say it's a USBC Open pattern or you know a sport compliant, challenging or US Open shot or something of that sort. I mean, I saw that too, actually, and and that's such a good question because none of us like to shoot a bucket. <laughs> There's a lot more spares out there that we'd rather shoot than that. And I think I remember even Norm Duke maybe had to make the bucket one of the in the U.S. Open one year to win in the tenth. I may be wrong, but I yeah. think like that came yeah. down to that. And I remember that's when the, he was shooting that, it was like, holy cow, that is not the one you want to shoot in this situation. But on a sport pattern, when you look at the two and and really get down to it. Uh, if you have a solid spare game and you're, and you're confident in it, that bucket's probably going to be odds wise easier to do than if you're bowling on, say, the U.S. Open pattern that's super flat that, that on a strike shot, you got to have the rev rate, the ball speed, the angle, all those combinations have to be really, really close for that ball to hit the pocket. And then you've got a strike, uh, on top of that, as opposed to, to getting the spare ball to hit that hit that bucket and there's a variety of ways to to make that even if you're not perfect on it so the bucket would probably be the one i'd choose but i certainly would not be comfortable doing it in that situation (laughs) the only only thing i'll add to that rick um just regarding that you because you brought that up with norm duke uh in the u.s open and absolutely that's true and and the one interesting thing on that story too um that i heard from uh, louis we met who was actually um our video guy who was out there shooting that as well and covering that is that that was the first time in, for the entire week that the ball that he used to shoot at that spare went down the lane. That was the only time and the only shot with that one particular ball. And a lot of times he doesn't change balls, but for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to for that spare. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's that's incredible. And that, that obviously goes in a testament to Norman how good he is and how much trust and confidence he has in his game. But I did not know that. That's that's pretty incredible. It was pretty, yeah, pretty amazing story there. Hey, last uh, last question I have for you, Rick. Um, what are your thoughts on the two-handed game? Is that something you're in support of? Do you see some young players coming to Wichita with that style, or have you not really had many two-handers uh, on the Wichita State Shockers team yet? Uh, it's obviously getting more popular. Um, when it was first kind of becoming prevalent, I wasn't sure what I thought about it. Uh, and in the work I do too, in, in instruction, um, I'm starting to see more and more young players come to me that are two play, two handers and not a bunch yet, but a handful. 
and and I've had even one that I kind of recommended that he try it. I saw him uh, was working with him, and I saw him uh, kind of messing around one day in his practice and doing two hands, and he was really struggling with one hand, and he looked just like a natural with two. So I have had an instance where I actually said, hey, you know what? You're comfortable doing that. It's fun for you. You look like you're pretty good at it, and we went in that direction with him. Uh, it's going to be something that continues to grow, uh, and I have no problems with it. I mean, it's it's a just a different way of doing the game. Uh, it has its challenges along along with what it does compared to a one-handed release. So uh, I have no problems with it at all, and I think it's just something we're going to see uh, become more and more prevalent. Well, great stuff, Rick. Lots of uh, valuable information, and it was great to get you on the show. It's always Steve. Steve always uh, gives me a little extra credit and a few bonus points when I can bring on a former or current shocker. So, um, so, so just to get you on there and, and get two shockers on, I feel a little bit outnumbered. But you guys, you guys both did a great job and lots of great insight. And best of luck by chance. When when are you heading out to El Paso this year? Uh, we go uh, around the first part of June. Okay. First, second week of June. So we've got a few months to to prepare a little bit and and uh, hopefully gather some information and and hopefully we'll have a good year. All right. Well, well. Best of luck out there and best of luck with everything at uh, at Wichita State. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on today and uh, good talking with Steve too. So uh, thank you very much. 